you'll take your Bibles this morning, let's turn to Psalm 147. Psalm 147. You've noticed probably a theme in the song service this morning was the power of God. Amen. And I want to talk about the power of our Lord. Psalm 147, I want to read the whole psalm, but we're going to focus on verse number 5. Psalm 147, and as we and you think about the, the theme, you can see uh, it speaks of God's great power as, as we read through this. Psalm 147, verse number 1 says, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. I hope that you take time to praise the Lord. Amen. Not just at church, but you ought to praise the Lord any time and every time that you can in your life um, because He's worthy of it and it's comely for us being the children of God. Verse 2, The Lord doth build up Jerusalem. He gathereth together the outcasts of Israel. He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. He telleth the number of the stars he calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. The Lord lifted up the meek. He casteth the wicked down to the ground. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praise upon the harp unto our God, who covereth the heaven with clouds, who prepareth rain for the earth who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains. He giveth to the beast his food and to the young ravens which cry. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. Do you have a fear of the Lord this morning? Do you hope in his mercy? I trust that you do. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise thy God, O Zion, for he hath strengthened the bars of thy gates. He hath blessed thy children within thee. He maketh peace in thy borders and filleth thee with the finest of the wheat. He sendeth forth his commandment upon the earth. His word runneth very swiftly. He giveth snow like wool. He scatters the hoarfrost like ashes. He casteth forth his eyes like morsels. Who can stand before his cold? He sendeth out his word and melteth them. He, he causeth his wind to blow and the waters flow. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt with us, he, he hath not dealt so with any nation, and as for his judgment, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. Our, our text here speaks of the, the great power of our Lord. Verse number 5 is our text. Great is our Lord and of great power. When we think of God, one of the things we think uh, about is his attribute of being omnipotent or being all-powerful or being almighty. It all means the same thing. He's almighty God. When we mean all when we say almighty, we know that he is almighty, isn't he? Think of some of his uh, 
powerful manifestations that we see in, in Scripture. All throughout the Scriptures, we can see the mighty power of God being shown or demonstrated over and over again. He manifested Himself in times past, and He continues to manifest Himself in powerful, glorious ways. Let's think, first of all, of some of His powerful manifestations revealed to us in the Old Testament. And uh, we read where God's great power was manifested at creation. Think about it. The Lord just spake, and it was done. Uh, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 19-1 tells us that the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. And, and as we view His handiwork, we can tell that it was accomplished through His great power. Jeremiah 10 verse 12 uh, Jeremiah said, He hath made the earth by His power. He hath established the world by His wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by His discretion. Again, Jeremiah said in 20, chapter 27, verse 5, and this is the Lord. He's recording what the Lord says here. He says, I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are upon the ground, uh, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, and have given it unto whom it seemed meet unto me. The great power of God. In Jeremiah 32, 17, he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power, and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Do you believe that this morning, that there's nothing too hard for the Lord? I want you to think about that as we think about the, the, the great power of our Lord. It, it even goes, and we'll mention it at the end, but it goes to our dependence upon Him to do that, that which we cannot do. To do exceeding abundantly above that we're able to ask and even think. Romans chapter 1, verse number 20, Paul says, For the invisible things of Him, of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Anyone and everyone has a witness of God's great power in His creation, whether they acknowledge it or not. We also read where God's great power was manifested in Noah's day in the worldwide flood in Genesis chapter 6 through 8. We know how God brought about that flood, destroying all of mankind because of their wickedness. All except Noah and his family who found grace in the sight of the Lord while using Noah to preserve human life and animal life by way of the ark, everything else was destroyed. Think about that. Great power of God. Then we read how in Abraham's day the great power of God was manifested again against Sodom and Gomorrah as God rained down fire and brimstone to destroy those wicked cities in Genesis chapter number 19. Then in Moses' day the power of God was manifested against Pharaoh and against Egypt as God redeemed his people out of bondage just like he said he would do. He did that to bring them to the promised land in Exodus 5 through Exodus 14 where uh, we find recorded 
the, the goings on during Moses' day. Exodus 5, 2 records that Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. But you know, after God's power was manifested through ten plagues, he decided he'd had enough and he let God's people go. And then the Lord God showed his great power to his own people in parting the Red Sea to bring Israel through on dry ground and then he brought the waters of the sea back down on the pursuing Egyptians who changed their mind. They had lost all their slave labor and they were going to go bring them back. But the Lord showed himself mighty and powerful. Over and over again throughout the history of Israel, the Old Testament records how the Lord God manifested his great power as Almighty God and uh, to his people and to others. Amen? Now I want you to let's think of some of his powerful manifestations revealed in the New Testament. That was the Old Testament. Let's think about the New Testament for a minute. The power of God was manifested in the virgin birth of God's own Son. In Luke 1, verses 31 through 35, and verse 37 also, it says in the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. The words that the angel spoke to Mary there. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. It was by God's great power that the virgin birth took place. The power of God was manifested in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, as He was born and He's walked the earth not only as he lived the only perfect sinless life ever to walk the earth, that he pleased his heavenly Father, and as he showed the very power of God through all the many miracles that he did. John chapter 20 verse 30 says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. We, we look at Jesus and we see what Jesus did, and we understand that yes, he was indeed the Emmanuel, the God with us, the very Son of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Listen, nowhere in the, is the power of God more precious and evident than the power of God that is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, and his resurrection. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I trust that this morning that that power of God has saved your heart, saved your soul, um, because uh, that's the only way you'll be assured of going to heaven. 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul wrote to the Corinth church and said, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish, foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Those of us that are here today, I think, are in agreement of the power of God in the gospel. But those on the outside of these walls that are unchurched, they think this is the most, this is the silliest thing, the biggest waste of time that we are, are involved in this of preaching the cross. It's foolishness to them. Now I want us to plant ourselves 
for a moment at that time in the life of Christ when he gave his life on the cross of Calvary. The power of the gospel was manifested by the cross of Christ. The power of God was manifested by the cross of Christ. Think about it. At the cross, Jesus Christ died for our sins. You think about the power necessary to save those that believe on the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4, Paul wrote, he says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he arose the third day according to the Scriptures. Listen, there was many Old Testament Scriptures relating to Messiah's death which were fulfilled in Christ, many of them speaking of his death, some speaking of his burial, and others speaking of his resurrection. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that gift of God was provided to us by the very power of God through what happened there on the cross of Calvary. Romans 5.8 says that God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What a thought. Think about it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, verse 9 and 10, And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation of our sins. While we were yet sinners, Christ came to die for us, and He did. The cross showed God's powerful love for us. The cross was the means whereby God gave us the provision of His powerful grace, a grace that is greater than all our sins. Praise God. At the cross, secondly, I want you to realize that the cross, Jesus Christ removed the curse of the law for us. When you think about the law of God, and you think of how it speaks to us, it speaks to us to condemn us. It shows us how very needy we are of what God did for us. None of us could fulfill the law's demands. None of us did. God's power through Christ's cross satisfied the law's demand for us because Christ not only fulfilled the law, but He became our substitute. Because He fulfilled the law, He was able to take and give His life a sacrifice for our sin. And through our belief in what He did on that cross of Calvary, we can be saved. Galatians 3 verse 13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. He took our curse. The law says do or die. Well, none of us can do. And so we were destined to die. Death was our destiny until Christ stepped in. And Christ, through God's power, was able to satisfy the law's demand. God's power through Christ Christ's cross did satisfy the law's command. Colossians 2.14 says that 
He blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. That's the law that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. At the cross, Jesus Christ satisfied God's demand for our sins. His suffering and death paid the price for our sins. Praise God. Romans 3.25 says, Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. And that's not a term that we're too much familiar with. God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. What's a propitiation? It's an atonement. When you look at the Old Testament and the sacrifices that were made, the propitiation for the sins of the people for another year on the Day of Atonement, that, that blood had to go on the altar. That was the propitiation there for that one year. That, that next year it gave them a covering for sin. But Christ gave Himself once and for all to be the final propitiation. The everlasting propitiation for our sins. In fact, uh, Isaiah records in Isaiah 53 verse 11, He shall, talking about God, He shall see the travail of His soul. Speaking of Christ's soul, the Messiah's, the coming Messiah's soul, and shall be satisfied. Propitiation is God's satisfaction with what Christ did on the cross. So the power of the gospel is manifested by the cross of Christ, but I want you to understand also that the power of the gospel was manifested by the burial and resurrection of Christ. Listen, when Jesus Christ was taken down from off that cross and buried in that tomb, it not only fulfilled Old Testament scripture, but it also is a part of the proof that he died. It's part of the proof he died. Think about Joseph of Arimathea. That's the, that's the grave that he was buried in, was Joseph's. He buried him in his own new tomb that he'd carved out for himself, actually. And uh, he went and begged for the body of Jesus, as the Scripture tells us. He begged for the body of Jesus. And uh, he was allowed by Pilate to take Jesus from off the cross as, as uh, Pilate found out that he was indeed dead. He was amazed that he was dead already. But listen, every drop of blood was drained from Christ's body. There was no possibility of him reviving from what was done to him on the cross of Calvary. He begged for the body and, and Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, both of them being uh, Pharisees. They, can you believe Jesus was buried by Pharisees? He was, yeah. They helped bury our Lord. Three days later, also in fulfillment of prophecy, Jesus Christ arose from that tomb. I like what Romans 1 verse 14 says. It's talking about Christ said he declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. He declared to be the Son of God with power where did he declare it? In the resurrection from the dead. In Acts 1, verse number 3, Luke declares that Christ showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. This was not something that was just uh, witnessed by um, a few at one time. 
over a period of 40 days, our Lord showed himself alive over and over again. And, and the power of him showing himself alive after his death uh, is shown in the transformed life of the disciples <laughs> after. When you see the, uh, the, the disciples after the death of Christ, they were fearful. They were full of fear. But after they saw the resurrected Christ, they, they were obedient to the Lord and they received the power of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And they, even in spite of persecution, they, they spoke of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel. They preached the gospel. Why? Because they had seen with their own eyes that Christ was alive. So that empty tomb where Christ was once laid was uh, it speaks of the almighty power of God over death, hell, and the grave. That empty tomb says God was here. Nah. He, he's no longer dead. Third thing, the power of the gospel is manifested by what it does in the life of the believer. Before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he told Martha these words in John 11, verse 25 and 26. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that if you uh, look to Jesus and believe that he is the resurrection and the life, believe on what he has done for you, that even though your flesh may die, that you're at home with the Lord, be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord, and you're very much alive, you're not really dead. You know, uh, when, um, when my body is laid out and uh, uh, somebody speaks some words over me, I want you to understand I'm more alive than, there, than I've ever been at that point. I'll be with my Savior. But that body is just going to be here temporarily. We know that because the great power of God is going to raise it up again. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. But Paul wrote that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. We quoted that verse in Romans 1.16. Uh, and John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. It's a matter of First, hearing the gospel by the word of God. And then believing the gospel. Amen? You've got to hear. And that word hear, in Romans 10, 17, where it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That faith cometh by hearing. That hearing means not just, uh, not just listening with ears, but it's listening with the understanding of what Christ has done for you. That's what brings forth belief in the gospel when you understand what Christ has done for you. And to do anything less than believe on Christ is to limit the working of the mighty power of God in your life. God's power stands ready to save anyone and everyone who will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But He can't save anyone that will not. Paul also wrote that to 
them that perish, the, the gospel is foolishness, but unto us which are saved it's the power of God. We mentioned that verse in 1 Corinthians 1.18. Now listen, it's power for a new life. Power for a new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want you to take and turn uh, to Acts chapter number 26 for just a moment. Acts 26, and let's take a look at this power that Paul preached. That power that was manifested in Paul's personal life. The one who uh, at one time persecuted those who spoke the name of Christ and preached the gospel of Christ, but he was struck blind on the Damascus road and, and he was given new life by the Lord for a purpose. In Acts 26, we'll begin reading verse number 16. Acts 26, verse number 16. And he's talking about that time when he was on the Damascus road and Jesus told him in verse 16, But but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee. And here's, we see in this next verse, the power of what God, the gospel does in our lives. To open their eyes, amen, open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. You know, that's a, that's, a, that's a big gap, isn't it? From darkness to light. But that happens in a moment when we believe on the Lord. From the power of Satan that held our lives, by the way, from the power of Satan unto God. We have the power of God in our lives, don't we? Uh, through the Holy Spirit that's given to us uh, after we receive that forgiveness of our sins, and he mentions there that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Think about before we were saved, we were we were condemned. John three eighteen. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. You didn't have to do anything to be condemned. You were you were already condemned because of sin. Think about it. But, through forgiveness that comes from the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we are given an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in Christ. Amen? A fourth thing, understand that the power of God is manifested in what He can do for those who are in Christ. And for this, I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter number 3. Book of Ephesians chapter number 3. And we see uh, here that the Apostle Paul speaks of this great power. Ephesians 3. And I want to begin reading verse number Verse number uh, 16. Let's, well, let's back up to verse 14. Okay, Verse 14. It says, 
Paul is telling these, this, this church, these believers, he said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, <laughs> that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. That's the power of God working in your life, by the way. Look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Let me pause here just a minute. Think about it. Knowing the love of God that passes knowledge. It's just, sometimes it's just, too, it's just uh, uh, too good to be true, isn't it? In fact, a lot of folks say, well, you know, it just don't seem like it. That's too easy to receive the Lord as your Savior and, and all of a sudden you get to go to heaven. Well, it's that easy. Okay? It's that easy. It passes our knowledge. Verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, that's God's power that works in us, okay? Through that, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. <laughs> unto him be glory in the church, there in verse 21, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. <laughs> the power of God is manifested there in what He can do for those who are in Christ. And if you're in Christ, I don't know what's going on in your life. What, what manifestation of God's power do you need this morning? Say, well, what I'm going through, just man, it's a tall order. It's not too tall for God. Not too tall for him. Okay. You need God to move somebody's heart, change somebody's heart. God can do that. He can. Yeah. We can't. A lot of times we try to do God's work and we can't do it. We, we, can't, we can't change somebody's heart. We have, to, we have to look to him. That song that the lady sang earlier about, I pray. Prayer is a powerful thing. Prayer... Prayer is our avenue to uh, communicate with our Lord the, uh, what's on our heart about the things that we have need of. Last thing I want us to see this morning is the power of God will be manifested in the return of Christ one day. Christ is coming again. The apostles watched as Jesus ascended to his Father in heaven. And they were just standing there gazing up at what had happened as Jesus went up and then was out of their sight. It had to be a, a powerful thing to witness. <laughs> Listen to the two angels that stood by in Acts 1.11. Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. One of these days he's going to return. One of these days he's coming and we're going to hear a shout. Amen. Uh, 
uh, we're going to have the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And in First Corinthians chapter number fifteen tells us that old, that old corruption that's in the in the grave is going to be it's going to be turned into incorruption. I say, how in the world can that take place? Well, the same God that created to begin with can surely remold it and make it <laughs> into whatever He wants it to be. And it's going to be into a body just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're going to be just like Jesus. Those of us that are saved. So the question this morning, and as we draw this to a close, is are you in Christ? As the song we sang said, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Most of you know I preached in prisons for nine and a half years. No, I was not uh, put in prison myself. It's just I voluntarily went in. Nine and a half years I preached there. And, and that was one of their favorite songs to sing. Uh, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And the, they had their own version in the chorus. We go, are you washed? They say, yes, I'm washed. In the blood, in the blood. In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Yes, I am. And that moved me then, and it moves me now. And when we were singing it a while ago, it was like, I was holding back everything in me to keep from singing it the way that I learned in those nine and a half years. Amen. Uh, because there is cleansing power. Amen. He alone has the power to cleanse you from your sin and give you the gift of eternal life and even help you in the trials of this life. Does not mean that when you get saved that you're going to be exempt from trials? No, my friend. Uh, if anything, it probably increases the trials because Satan doesn't like it that you're on the wrong team now for, for, as far as he's concerned. Well, you're on the right team. <laughs> you left t t team Satan and joined team Christ. Amen. And with that, uh, you joined the winning side. You're on the winning side. Has Jesus cleansed you from your sin? Has Jesus made a change in your life? Or listen, or are you limiting the work, working power of God in your life by your unbelief? You know, sometimes we limit God. God's people, own people, it's recorded in the Scripture, they limited the power of the Holy One by their unbelief. Only the power of God in the gospel can meet your every need. This preacher can't meet it. I can't meet it. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not that powerful. But I know somebody who can. I know somebody who does have the power. And he wants to meet your need. But you have to look to him. First of all, in salvation, are you saved? And once you become his, man, a whole... A whole bunch of spiritual blessings come along with that. And one of those spiritual blessings is the ability to go before the throne of God as a child of God and make your request known to Him. If you're not saved today, we're fixing to have a hymn of invitation and we invite you to come. And if you come, we'll have somebody take you aside in private and show you from Scripture how you can be saved today. Amen. Now, if you are saved, I trust that this has been an encouragement to you. 
When you see the great and mighty power of God and you understand that that power is available in your life as a child of God. You have, in fact, you've got the, the very power of God living within you. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. He, he indwells you. I hope that's an encouragement to you. I hope it's an encouragement to you to know the power that's in prayer that you can go and pray. Make your, make your requests known to Him. Let the, let the Lord do a work in your heart today. Let's pray. Father.